eyes. I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 12. It says this. It talks about our salvation and the salvation of those at that time, the, uh, what was announced to them through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. I love the, 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 the line of that song that says, that tells us about angels roaring and the idea that, that angels somehow long to look into the matters of salvation. Uh, I don't know why they long to look. I don't know if it's a mystery to them. Uh, angels are created beings and perhaps it's not disclosed to them all of God's plan toward us in salvation. Maybe they're marveling like I, we can't believe that, that the Son of God, that, that the eternal, uh, that, that, that He has gone and He has given His life for y'all, you know. Look at us and think, you know, they're not worthy, Lord. You, you did this. Perhaps He looks at this proclamation of the Holy Spirit, another member of the triune Godhead sent from heaven to announce these things, to preach the good news to us, and, and cannot believe that the Lord not only gave his life for us on the cross, but that he has pursued us unto salvation. That he came once and then has come now again with the Holy Spirit to tell us this marvelous truth. I think there may be, in my mind, I picture them confounded by this. We can't believe. We want to look. We can't believe the mercy of God. We've known God. We're created by God as, as angels. But, Lord, we, today we can't believe what you've done for your creation. I praise God for that this morning. And I need to confess something to you. Okay, my confession is over. I lost my sermon. <laughs> this whole time I've been talking, I've been looking for the sermon. Um, it, was under, it was under my Bible. So angels probably want to look into that, too. Uh, it's some crazy stuff. Anyway. Psalm 27 this morning, uh, if you'll turn your Bible to the book of Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible, if you don't know where Psalms is, you just kind of flip it to the middle, you're pretty close. Uh, you find that there, if you don't have a Bible with you today, these words will be on the screen, and if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word, and so we have those on the table in the back as you leave right there in the lobby. You'll see a table with uh, uh, copies of Scripture laid out there. Those are just for you at no cost. And so if you need one, you take that. We mean that. And if you need help with that, knowing how to get started or, or what you do with it, you come see me. You can email me, call me. <clears throat> just uh, come up and talk to me after church. I'd love to find a time uh, to stand with you and to set you on the right path with God's Word. It's hard to wait on the Lord. If you've ever waited on anything, you know it's hard to wait. My son Reese uh, was having a hard time waiting to save enough money for something he wanted to buy. A little YouTuber uh, named Kendall Gray has a, a website. He wanted to buy a little something off of there, and he was having a hard time waiting. He said he's going to change his name. I said, well, I don't know how that's going to help. He said, well, I'm going to change it to attention. I said, why is that? He said, when I go to Miss Vicky's class and she says, everybody pay attention, they'll have to pay me. <laughs> It's hard to wait. <clears throat> if you've ever waited on God for something, you know that 
uh, it, it, hard does not even begin to describe it. If you've waited on the Lord to uh, bring about the, the subsiding of the pain of a loss that you faced, you say, when, God? I'm waiting. I'm trusting. I believe, and I'm waiting for it to, to be actual to me. If you've been pleading for a, a change at work or uh, a change in your relationship, your marriage, if, if you've been waiting on God through pain, through heartache, through adversity, then you know it's a very serious thing. And that's where we find the psalmist uh, David today as he writes for us and really to the Lord uh, another poem or a song of his experience of waiting for God. Uh, most likely David has just fled the kingly, the, the presidential palace where King Saul, who had, who had been someone that David admired and, and served and ministered to, has turned his heart against David and is pursuing him hotly. And David has run, and nobody will help him. David's on his own, and he's waiting on God to deliver. And it is by no means a certainty from David's perspective that his life would be spared. I mean, we look back on this. We know the, the history. David is writing this uh, from a moment when any, any, at any day, at any time, everything, everything could be taken from him. It could all be over. We see faith here, but we see faith uh, with struggle. And so let's look at this together. This Psalm of David, Psalm chapter or Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adver adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. We see a, a picture here in just the first three verses of someone who appears to be just totally sold out to the Lord. And he paints a, a desperate picture here that's growing. The Lord is my light and my salvation, the stronghold of my life. Evildoers assail me, uh, an army encamp against me, and even if war rises again, it's a growing desperate situation. Verse 4, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter. You ever needed to be hidden uh, by, by God in his shelter? Nothing else will do. He will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. This is beautiful language. Don't miss the personal language of this. If you've ever heard in a deep and breathless way, uh, I want you to imagine this. The Lord himself doing this for you, concealing you under the cover of his tent. The, 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 what, what that means to proximity. Where do you have to be with the Lord as he wraps that tent around you? You're right there in his presence. David says, this is what I seek, Lord. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Verse 7. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Listen to the difference here. I love this because we don't have an example here of just some, some godly, historic person who just marched you know, blindly through adversity with all this weird confidence. He has this, but listen to his voice in verse 7, the change. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. There's a fear here that God may not answer, that God may not be gracious. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Father, it's almost as if David's bargaining here, right or wrong. He said, God, answer me. You said to seek your face, and best I know, Lord, I am seeking it. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's right here and now. This is someone saying, God, you are good. And I know your eternal promises are going to carry me home. I, I know that, uh, that this heartache won't last forever, that this failing body is not going to entrap me for all time. I know there's a homeland, but I'm confident, confident that your goodness is still intact right here, right now. In my tears, on the floor, God, when I, I can't eat, I can't nourish myself, I, I can't even sleep, Lord, I'm confident that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And now my head is, shall be lifted up, he says. It's a present form of God's goodness. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Again, wait for the Lord. What do we need to do when we're waiting? What does it mean to trust in God in fearful times? There are four parts of waiting on the Lord here that David pictures for us. The first one is this. David knows a higher power, doesn't he? In the first few verses here, from 1 through 3, you see a confidence in a higher power. David is not describing a minor situation here. This is not something small to him. I was lighting a fire in our fire pit this week outside, burning a little campfire. And after the fire was lit, I tucked the little aiming flame, right? I tucked it under my arm. Guess what? Those things are still hot for a minute. <laughs> after the flame is finished being aimed, right? Guess what? It's still hot. And right here, if I could show you on my arm, I got a little burn, a little blister. Everybody say, aw. Poor pastor. I'm sorry. Yeah. I got a little burn, a little blister. And Erica knows I've been complaining about it all week. I mean, I, it just, it's on my mind always. It's a small thing. David's not describing something minor here. It's not a little burn. It, 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 it's, it's very real to him. The forces arrayed there are vicious. They're destructive. They're powerful. They're unjust. 
It's not right. And guess what? They're all bigger than he is. He's, he seems to be having no hope, but he claims what? Someone is even greater. Someone's even greater than what I face. We have two missionaries, actually not missionaries, they're just a pastor and his wife in um, Ukraine. V and Anna, many of you know them. They've been in our church before. They, we've prayed for them. And the war began over there, and their church shut down. They were having to hunker in the basement, and then all the people of their church, they ministered there for 20 years, were just gone. They just left. Uh, they were able to get out to other countries, other places. The church was, was done. It wasn't there. Can you imagine today if all of a sudden tomorrow none of, none of us were here? Not even the pastor, not Trey, not none of you, none of your friends. The prayer list just, just went empty because nobody was here and nobody was knowing. It was over. That, that's what he faced uh, in his church. They were just gone 20 years at New Hope Church in Ukraine. They fled to a little apartment in West Ukraine where they lived for just a, a brief moment. Said they would wake up in the night and uh, just trembling in the middle of the night because it was too quiet. They had been in all the bombardment of the town they were in. It was too quiet. They would wake up just, just trembling and uh, violently shaking with, with fear of what was happening. His wife, Anna, left, was able to get through, and he, she lives right here in Georgia now. Uh, but he had to stay. They required him to stay, so he stayed there on his own. Month after month after month of this thing, there he stood, this pastor, this gospel uh, minister, on his own with nothing. They had left everything. And finally, just a couple of weeks ago, he drove down to the border in his car, the last thing he had. And he got out. They said, you can walk across. That's it. He got his backpack, and he walked across that border. There sat his car right on the other side to, to try to reunite with his wife. Everything was lost. And he made a little video. He sent it to Stan Bell, and it was a grainy little thing on a, on a phone, and it came over. Uh, to my phone, Stan sent it to me, and V is there describing the situation in and, and, and tears and with a shaking voice, and here's what he said. He said, we may not know why this happened, but we know Jesus. Do you, under, do you get that with me today? Now, the, the, the grandness of all that we just described here, why did this happen? But there's a reality. Listen, it's not just words on a screen. It's not just something we say to spend things nice. Uh, he's able to say, all of this is true. It is wrong. It is painful. It is awful. I don't even understand it. I don't understand the mind of God in this. But I know him. There's something bigger for us. And David knows a higher power. <clears throat> That's what it means when we wait on the Lord. It means when the outcome is not clear, when the situation is far from being resolved when the battlefield appears stacked against you and you're the one hurting that you give your attention and praise to the one who is bigger than the battle and we know his name he knows a higher power but secondly david he has a greater dwelling this is amazing this is beautiful don't miss this in the midst of all these facing verse four he says there's one thing that i that i want to ask of the lord it's just one thing that I want to see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty 
of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What a strange thing that is. With all that's going on, what would you have asked for? What would you have asked for in the divorce? There across the table from the, the moderator, and what would you have asked for at the, at the graveside, at the hospital? What would you have asked for when your boss calls you in and you know they're down? What would you ask for in that moment? If I were David, I would have asked for, you know, deliverance. I would have asked for relief, maybe sleep at that moment. Uh, maybe just some distance. Lord, let me gain some ground away from Saul while he's pursuing me. David said, if I could ask for one thing, here's what it would be. I want to ask that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. We have a sweet lady. I don't see her today. Uh, she's probably homesick. That's a good thing because what I'm about to tell on her. Uh, but um, she was at Zaxby's one day. Uh, recently, very recently. <clears throat> she's down at Zaxby's after church. And she was on her way in and she fell on the sidewalk. And she was laying there unable to get up. She was scraped and hurting. Didn't know what happened, why she fell. And the ambulance came for her and was there treating her and looking at her and they said, well, you know, you know, what do you want us to do? Should we take you to the hospital? and Should we call somebody for you? And uh, some people from church, Joel was there, I think, and uh, maybe somebody else had just happened to see her laying there and were with her. And in response to that question, what, how can we help? What can we do? From underneath her, she pulled out her hand laying there on that concrete and lifted up a card and said, I've got a free meal. You know? <laughs> She, like, she wanted her, what, what can I do for you in this moment? She's clinging to the free Zaxby's meal. And it turned out that that day was the last day she could get it. And they were canceling the little card program where you could get your card punched. She wanted that meal in that moment. What do you cling to? I mean, what, what do we see David clinging to here in a time of deep need and a time of deep grief? It ought to strike us as strange but God's people have a reputation, a well-established reputation for responding strangely when we're threatened. To responding strangely to fear. Just remember these episodes. Daniel in the lion's den and the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. When threatened, God's people seem to double down on claiming the name and the faithfulness of God. Do you remember uh, on Mount Carmel, the prophet Elijah, 400 prophets of a false god threatening to kill him, a wicked Jezebel who was coming after him. And there he was with an altar soaked and drenched in water. And he doubled down and he stood firm on claiming the name and the faithfulness of God. Do you remember Paul and Silas in the prison shackled up there? What were they doing at midnight? Singing hymns to the Lord Jesus. I praise God for that. Remember Peter and John... <clears throat> As they stood there in front of all the rulers of, of that day, pointing the finger at them and threatening them. Here's what they said. I love this in Acts chapter 4. Don't miss a word of this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means has this man been healed? Then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Just in case you get it mixed up with another Jesus Christ, it's the, it's the real one of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And listen, they add one more. They could have quit there. And they'd been mad as all get out. He didn't quit. One more thing. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. When God's people are threatened, we do strange things. When fear and pain come to our life, an onlooking world has got to look at us like they did David and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. He wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. He's going back to Jesus. Jesus had the power to stop this and didn't. And they're still going there. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Where do you dwell when you're suffering? When wrong or pain is ruling the day? When the mind of God is not plain to you and it doesn't make sense to your mortal mind? What's your go-to when things aren't right? Listen, there's a greater dwelling for the people of God. Don't miss the blessings of your higher home. But thirdly, David found a stronger presence. David found a stronger presence here. Verse 10 is amazing to me. Put this in your pocket. I don't know whether David's father and mother actually forsook him. I don't know if he was talking about King Saul as a, a figurative father of sorts. I don't know if he's just speaking in gen a general euphemism. Hey, even if mom and dad leave you, the Lord's going to I don't know. But he says this. He says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. For many people, this does not even have to be euphemistic. Because there are many sitting here in our church today and elsewhere whose father and mother have literally forsaken you. And the pain of that is, you, you don't have to imagine it. You don't have to wonder what that may be. Uh, for some reason, some brokenness, here you sit and you don't know the answer to that. I want you to know today, we have a God who is a faithful father beyond anything this world has to offer. And even if the worst happens, even if your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you. In. There's a lot of self-talk going on here in the verses before verse 10. If you'll look with me, David seems to be wrestling in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Lord, you said, seek my face. My heart says to you, my, my face, your face do I seek. You know, it's like, is God going to stay with me? I mean, I have all this confidence and faith. I just said so, but also I don't. Reminds me of the man in the New Testament. Jesus said, anything is possible if you believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What a gracious God that we can say something like that too. And he doesn't strike us down mercilessly. He looks at us in mercy and says, okay. Okay. He's, he, he seems to be talking to himself here and asking these questions. Is, is God really going to stand with me in this? Verse 7. How, don't hide your face from me, Lord. Don't turn me away in anger. Remember, God, you've been my help, O oh Lord. You're the one who's been my help. Don't be angry to me. 
Cast me not off. Don't forsake me. You, oh, God, you're my salvation. God, don't forget you're my salvation. You see this? Is, is God going to be with me? Reminds me, of, uh, we do that sometimes. You're going for a job interview or uh, you're negotiating a car price, you know. You're talking to yourself. If they do this, then I'm going to do this. You're thinking, I'm going to ask her out on a date, right? wonder if she's going to say yes or not, you know. wonder if she's going to... Uh, uh, give me an excuse or not. If she, if she says this, uh, if she turns her face away from me, and uh, what, what about this? I mean, how, how's this going to go? Then you finally get a yes to the date, and you're wondering if she hates your ugly car, if she thinks you're too short, your eyes are too far apart, whatever. <laughs> you go to the football game, and it gets a little chilly, and all of a sudden she's snuggling in, right? Puts a period on it. I mean, the answer is there. All the self-talk is ended, right? You're not worried. You're not even thinking about your car anymore. You don't care if you've got a car anymore. Your eyes could be alien eyes. You don't care, you know? <laughs> the matter is settled. And so David here, in all this self-talk, will God, won't God? God, are you my, are you my salvation, my helper? Or is it a chance you're going to turn away from me in anger? Lord, can I, are you really going to do this? It's so desperate, God. Everything is at stake, Lord. I, I can't survive without you. Are you going to be there? He's asking all these questions. And there's a, an event in his mind that settles it. When he comes to the bottom of this and he says, Oh, oh yeah. Even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me in. That's the type of God I have. It's settled. I'm not even thinking about all that stuff in this moment anymore. Lord, you will take me in. The beautiful thing about the word take me in, uh, it's, it's better said gather me in. Take, to take someone in is kind of a state of mind, an open door policy, uh, a, a, frame of, a frame of heart to say, hey, I, I, my, my grandmother, for instance, Estelle was her name. I always knew I could go to her house. I mean, I, I knew she would take me in. It was, it was a state of being. Grandma, this is her state of mind. She will take me in no matter what. But the word gather is different, isn't it? It's an active word, and that is properly the word here. A very strong evidence for that. that the word is gather. That's, an act, that's, that's the difference in grandma being at home, ready for you, waiting for you, and grandma going out and looking for you. And this is a God, even if your father and mother forsake you, the, the Lord will gather me in. And the word is used of a rear guard, a military rear guard. It's as if uh, the guy who, who brings up the rear, and if anything's left behind, it's that guy's responsibility, that column of troops, that column of equipment, to make sure it's all gathered to the place it's supposed to be. This is the action of God here. This is what settles it for David. Oh, Lord, I'm worried. Oh, Lord, I'm concerned. Oh, Lord, I'm in doubt. But, oh, yeah. You're a God who gathers in. And Father, if I miss something, if I make a mistake, if it, then you've got my back. You're an active God. When life seems to be teetering on whether or not the Lord hears you, whether or not he cares, I want you to remember who he is and who you know him to be. Remember that he is faithful. Remember he's a gatherer. And let the character of God settle it for you. But lastly... David seeks an altered life. He seeks an altered life. He's not willing to stay the way that he is. 
He's not willing to uh, dwell in the house of the Lord and seek God's face that I may uh, be there with you. He's not willing to claim God as a stronghold and all of this without his life being changed by it. That's true. He not only seeks deliverance, he seeks righteousness. Uh, he wants to come out of this with the smell of God on his clothes. We had an ice cream social Sunday night. Last Sunday it was great. Uh, loved it. And there was um, a little section of ice cream there. And when you walked by it, it smelled like a campfire. Anybody notice that? It did, right? Yeah, Jackson noticed it. Good. Uh, there was a... <laughs> Uh, I kept thinking, what is, what is, did I have a, did, is there a fire on my clothes or something? Uh, Matt and Brittany had made um, smoked peach ice cream. Smoked peaches. And the milk was smoked too. It's like you cold smoked the cream and, and also you smoked the peaches. There was a bowl of peaches right there next to it. And then this ice cream. And if you smell it, I mean, it's powerful. Y'all did it right, Matt. Uh, you smoked it good. Uh, it had it had it right there, and I tasted it. It was delicious. It was different, but it was delicious. And I kept going back to it over and over again. You can imagine that. But after I was finished, guess what? I smelled like smoke. I still smell like smoke today, Matt, uh, thanks to y'all's ice cream. But it, it's true. Like, the whole evening, I could, it, it gets in your nose hairs, right? I mean, you can, you can smell this stuff, and... Through the week, I, I think it might have been just menthol, but I thought, man, I still smell that smoky ice cream. It, it left a mark. And David wants to be sure. Before he ends this psalm, he pleads with God, leave your mark on my life. Uh, he, he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. He is not willing to walk away from this unchanged. It's as if he's asking, what truth could there have been? In this, all this talk about dwelling in God's house, all this talk, if we go through this whole psalm together, all this talk about, God, you be my stronghold, my light and my salvation. All this talk about one thing I ask is one thing I seek. I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life the beauty of the Lord, all this talk about the shelter, all this stuff about father and mother and faithfulness, what truth could there be in any of that if I walked away from this the same as I was before? He wants to li live an altered life. That's what he seeks in this moment. Does your journey with God bear the marks of having been changed by him? That's a... That's a hard question. That's one we've got to face, though. Uh, is there any aroma of godliness in your life? As we, week by week, dwell in this house, as we, week by week, look at the, the screen and sing those praises about God, as we, week by week, make these claims, is there any change in who you are? It is not okay for those who dwell in God's house who cling to him as a stronghold, who run to him as a father and a mother, not then to walk in his ways. Is your wait, in your waiting on the Lord, do not neglect to embrace the holiness of God in your life. And that's not just for those of us who are hurting. You may not be in a season of waiting 
right now at this moment like David was. But friend, it is not okay for us to be unchanged by our encounters with God. The key to trusting God in all this is in the beginning of this section of Scripture. When David uses a personal possessive pronoun, my, whose salvation and light are the Lord? They're his, they're mine. Whose stronghold is God? They're, he's mine. He uses this word over and over, I and, and me and, and what the Lord means to him. That's the key to trusting God in fearful times. If you're waiting on the Lord right now and he's not your savior, he's not your shelter, he's not your redeemer, then listen, he has an invitation open to you today to claim him as your own. He uses the word my because it is one thing to know these things in your head, but it is a totally different thing that God is those things to you. That makes a difference, doesn't it? This morning, there's only one who proves himself worthy in the waiting. And the question I want to leave you with is, is he yours today? And if not, I want to offer you an opportunity to come to the cross this morning, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus desires to take hold of you, to say yes to a life that is changed and never the same again, to say yes to faithful, true God in, in whom your confidence is well-placed and never failing, to say yes. Maybe this morning you, you know you've said yes, but there's something in God's word today that, that, that calls you to account for who you have been in Christ. Maybe you confess that to him this morning, give him your life all over again. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for trusting it to us. I pray today, especially, for those who are in a time of need in this very moment. For those, God, who are waiting on you for something. For V and Anna, who are still making sense of what you're doing in their life, and ministry, and in Ukraine. For the mother and father here today, who's questioning why they're children have gone the way that they've gone for the children today who are questioning why their mother and father have forsaken them for those who are hurting father I pray that this your word would mean something to them today but for your church I pray Lord that we would know something better about the character of God this morning and Lord that you would wash over us with a renewal of our confidence in who you are. Lord, we've turned to so many things. The best of us have turned to so many things to be our trust, to be our confidence, to be our comfort in suffering, to be our distraction under conviction. We've just turned to other things. Father, help us to make it our one desire to dwell in your presence. Lord, cover us in your tent today. Let us draw near to you in that protection, in that safeguarding, and in that love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing it as we do. I welcome you to respond.